Today, we're going to talk about this claim. You know that this notion that Jesus is alive is... There you go. I love it. I love it. All day. Keep it going. So um, this notion is the craziest, most outrageous claim in all of history. Do you understand that? It is, it is the most outrageous thing ever told. And it divides and it, it still splits history. Did you see CNN this morning? Today, Jesus is alive and well in China. Yes, he is. I love this. We got to do this every week. All right. Listen, this morning in China, 36 people were arrested in Beijing, 500 put under house arrest because they wanted to say that Jesus is alive. All right. It is still splitting history. It's the most outrageous thing ever said. And so we're going to walk full into that with the disciples today. Are you ready? All right. And so some of you, here's where we want to go. I really want to encourage you because you believe, you believe this thing kind of, but you forget that it's so outrageous. You believe that Jesus is alive, right? But you let those words just go straight through your head and it, it doesn't change our day to day. And so somebody, I just want to encourage, this is, he is the alive God. That's right. He's alive. And that's what, that's what I want to encourage you with. I want to encourage you that, that he is alive in us. Yes, he's alive in me. Yeah, he's alive in my day-to-day. And so some of you I want to encourage, and others of you who don't believe it yet, I want to, I want to bring the scriptures before you and say, man, reconsider this. Because, because it's the truth. All right, so that's where we're going to go. So we're going to start with... Uh, in Mark 16, but as we go, uh, I just want to start in prayer and pray for us and, um, and, and then the church around us as well. Lord God, as we come before you this morning, we give you praise, God, that you're not dead, that you're alive, and we give you praise that you loved us so much that you came into time and space and, and you lived and you died and you paid the price for our sins and you were raised from the dead. You came back to life. And so we give you praise. Yes, Jesus, you are alive. God, we ask that you would work here amongst us and that you would, that you would continue to do your good work in our lives. And, and for those around us who don't know you yet, God, we pray that you'd bring life to them. Father, that you would draw them to your son, Jesus. God, we pray for our friends across the highway at City Church in Sandy. We pray, God, that you'd be blessing them greatly and that as they proclaim the gospel today, as they celebrate you and your life, that you'd be working greatly in their church and Pastor Chad. And God, would you bless them greatly and, and use them and provide everything that they need as a church. And God, we do this morning as we read the headlines and we hear that our brothers and sisters in Christ are imprisoned and under house arrest and persecuted because of this truth, because of the gospel today in China. God, we lift up the Chinese church to you today. And we pray, God, that you might take the gospel and multiply it greatly into thousands and thousands because of what's happening today, that life might go out uh, as people try to contain it, as they, can try to, as they try to contain the truth. Lord God, that's our prayer as we come to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.
We're going to turn to Mark 16, and we're going to get started. And then uh, I'll talk about where we're going after we read through this. Starting in verse 1, Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Do not be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Jesus was crucified on a Friday, the day before the Sabbath. And if you remember last week, if you were here, we celebrated that this, this week in Jewish culture is the Passover week. And last week, if you were with us, we celebrated Passover. And uh, if you weren't here, man, you got to get that offline. And just the beauty of Jesus coming together with his disciples and saying, he says, I am that bread, that, that, that peace that comes later. And he says, I am the one that you have been longing for. I am the Messiah that you have been anticipating. And, and then, by the end of that week, having come into the city and people were saying, Hosanna, they were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the Messiah. This is the King. This is the one that we've been waiting for. By the end of the week, they had yelled crucify and he was... He was killed. The death of a, of a peasant, the death of a thief, the death of a, the lowest of low. And his disciples were right in this place. And so on Sabbath, on Saturday, they spent all day, no doubt, hiding and mourning. And at the end of the evening, when sunset went down, um, these ladies went and bought spices to go and to embalm him. And you've heard the story before, but you've got to imagine that as they prepared, um, man, they're just swimming as well as the disciples, swimming with just the lostness of, man, God, what, what is this all about? I thought, just like in the drama, I thought you were the one. God, I thought you were alive. I thought you were going to change my life. Some of you have been there haven't you, even as followers of Christ, thinking, God, I I thought everything was going to change. I thought there was hope. I thought that I wouldn't be in this same place again, that I wouldn't wouldn't feel this way again. I thought you were going to bring hope and life and change to me. And here I am, and I'm I'm stuck again. And these ladies, um, it's, it's Mary, the mother of James, and the mother of Jesus as well. Um, and Salome, Salome is the wife of Zebedee, right? The, the other disciples, James and John, and then, and then Mary Magdalene as well. And they go, and early in the morning, very early Sunday morning, they go to the tomb. And, and they're just busying themselves with the duties of taking care of a dead body. Busying themselves with grieving how many of you have been through the death of somebody close to you? And you know how in the midst of the funeral and all of that stuff, 
It's incredibly painful, but do you know how the busyness kind of keeps you going? Do you know what I'm saying? The busyness of the funeral and the busyness of entertaining and meals and it kind of keeps you going. And it's only a couple months later that you wake up one morning and you're weeping because you realize, man, they're gone. And they're in the midst of the busyness of taking care of who they suppose to be a dead Jesus, a dead Christ. And they're going and they're looking for him. I do this thing when I get busy. I don't know, uh, I don't like it, but when I, when I get really busy and I have timelines coming, I find myself managing all kinds of, of silly things. I don't know if you ever do this kind of thing, but like my office, I'll go to my office and I have a ton of things due like the next day, but I decide that this is a really good time to clean my office, Right? I don't know if you've ever been there, and, and I decide that the dusting needs to get done, and I need to reorganize, and I need to sort through all this paperwork. Is anybody else weird like that, right? And the busier I get, the more I, it's almost like I want to manage this little tiny thing because somehow I can control that. Have you ever been there? And you know that the, just chaos all around you, but I, I cleaned the counter, right? And, and my desk is nice, and... And these ladies are just, they're just managing their grief. And life is, it's been just devastated in front of them. This, this man that their sons were following, this man that they were following, this man that they were sure was God himself, this man that they saw heal people and raise Lazarus from the dead, this man that they were sure that was the Messiah, he was dead. And they went and they were looking for a dead Jesus. Why is a dead Jesus so appealing to us? You know, when somebody's dead and we, uh, we like the things that they had said, we liked who they were, it's easy to esteem them. In history, we have lots of them, don't we? We have lots of people that we esteem and they said great things. Um, but they're easy. They're manageable. They're, they're people of the past, and, and we can either live like them and esteem to be like them. But if someone is alive, if Jesus is alive, if Jesus is alive, it changes everything. If Jesus is literally the God of the universe who, who was killed and paid the price for our sins and is alive today in us, then it changes everything. So they went to the tomb, ready to anoint him, ready to prepare him for embalming. And they get there, and, and they find that he is not there, that he's not dead. He's alive. And... And they're terrified. And they don't know what it means. A couple thousand years later, we know the story. If you've been around church so well, you, we know the story that we, we forget how amazing it is. And today, we're just here to celebrate that God is alive, that Jesus is alive. He's not a dead God, that he's an alive God. And so this morning... What we're going to do 
is we're going to celebrate that and, and just sit for a few minutes in, in just the joy of this and celebrate what he's doing here even amongst us, all right, as a church. Um, if, you've never, if you've never thought about this before, um, it's amazing that Jesus, that Jesus even got out of the first century you realize that, that Jesus, if you're looking at it from a, a man point of view or a mankind perspective, Jesus was a, a blue-collar peasant guy, right? He, he, was, he was not really of noble stature. He was not really of great amount of money. And, and he had a message of God's love that was amazing, but it, it was such that if, if Jesus wasn't God, how in the world could his message have gotten out and have so many followers? You here today, so many followers who are following him. Jesus um, was like so many who, who became part of, became part of a, a cultural phenomenon. Um, so many people rise up. Even today we have people like this. Um, think about in January. Remember in January there was a, a guy, I think in Ohio, uh, named Ted Williams who was supposedly, he was a homeless guy, and somebody rolled down their window, and they're like, wow, you have an amazing voice, and we're going to give you a career, and you're going to have an amazing voice, right? And he was on the scene for about three weeks, and then he lapsed back into being a drug addict and homeless, right? And he's, he's totally off the, totally, totally out of the news. So many people rise up quickly, they're a flash in the pan, they're a one-hit wonder, and, and back in the day that Jesus was here, it was very similar. Many people would come to popularity. They would even get a following. They would even get people to give them money, and then they would fall away. So what made Jesus different if, if he didn't really rise from the dead? You see, Jesus rose from the dead. Unlike any other person in history, Jesus came from God, was God, and rose from the dead. So the, the ladies came to the, to the tomb and they found that he's not there. And an angel told them he's alive. He's alive and, and he's not here. And literally the question is, why do you look for the living among the dead? You and I spend a lot of time looking for life among the dead. Among places we know we're not going to find life. And yet we look for it there. And, and that's exactly what he says. Why do you look for them? So the first thing is that Jesus isn't dead. The Gospels go on and they tell us that he appeared to 500 people all at once. And he was with the disciples a number of times and he ate with them and he walked with them. And he appeared to them over the course of 40 days. And literally, as the New Testament was written, um, Paul says later, he says, some of those people who are with him, they're still alive today. You can go and talk to them. And as the New Testament was written, there were still people who were with Christ after he was raised from the dead. And the truth is, is that Jesus is alive. And he's not just alive as a person for them and then. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said while he was here, he said, it's actually better for me to go. It's actually better for me to, to die and go back to be with the Father because he said, I will send my Holy Spirit to be with you. And when you believe in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, 
Jesus comes alive in you because he's alive. So it's not only that he's alive in time and died again because he didn't. He was alive. He came back to life and he went to be with the Father and he sent his spirit to live in you and I, to anyone who believes. In 1 Corinthians 15, here's where I'd I'd like to... um, I'd like to encourage you. Some of you have spent a lot of time thinking about Jesus as a good role model, as a good teacher, as one who, who said a lot of good things, things for me to esteem, things for me to follow. Some of you have been raised in families that are very moral and, and very good. And, and here's what Paul says. Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead as Christians... He said, we are the most pitied, the most miserable, the silliest of all people on the planet. See, because Paul understood that the claim that Jesus is alive, the claim that he, ri- that he rose from the dead, that, that that is the most audacious, the most ridiculous, the most huge claim of all of time. And he said, if that isn't true, He said, it doesn't matter about this life. If that isn't true, living just to have morals today, there's no point in it. He says, if if the resurrection isn't true, people who follow Christ are the most pitied of all people. Because the truth is, is that Jesus is alive. And he's not only alive in time and space 2,000 years ago, he's alive in me. And he's alive in me today. In Colossians 1, this is what Paul says. He says, I've become, it's servant, the servant of the gospel. I've become a servant of the gospel by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. This mystery, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. Saints being those who believe. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. For 1,500 years, the people of Israel wondered how the Messiah would come and this mystery that, that God would come and would redeem them. And he says, but now to you who believe, it's made known the hope of Christ alive in you. The hope of Christ alive in you and me. And in Ephesians 3, he goes on further and he just says that this power that raised Christ from the dead, that this power, this life that he raised Christ from the dead with, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That God can do immeasurably more with his life in us. That he can do immeasurably more than we can ask or think. Than we can even imagine. That we can even hope. Because he is alive. And he's alive in you and me and anyone who believes. We're going to spend some time celebrating right now um, just the stuff that he is doing here amongst us. Um, 
you know that over the course of the last few weeks, we have seen God doing great things in, in our lives. Even here last week, so many of us respond to the gospel last week right here. And, and over the course of the last few months, we have uh, had a couple different baptisms and opportunities to celebrate all that God is doing. And so uh, would you celebrate with us right now uh, as we just say, God, you're alive and you're working in us. Let's watch this. My name is Alan Rigby. I am new here at K2. I've been coming here since November of last year. I, I was in a dangerous area, uh, actually worshiping Satan at one time, just downright Satan worship. Things weren't working out very well. I was in a dark place. It was a frightening time for me. Um, I was on my way downtown, and I would see the, the K2 church here. And I was wondering, what is that about? What does K2 mean? And I thought, well, maybe that would be a good place to start. And I came here, um, my first service here, listening to the pastor speaking. It just hit home completely. I was just flooded with maybe a new light. I felt like this was going to be my new home. And I ended up that night giving my life to Christ. I didn't really have to think too much about it because I felt like this is this is it. You know, this is this is what it is. This is Jesus is true. What he said is true. I believe that he was he was killed for my sins and that he rose again. And I want I want more. I want to get all I can get. My name's Keaton Pike. I've been going to K2 for three and a half years. My neighbor came over and he was always bugging my dad about coming to K2. And then we tried it one time for the Christmas service. And we've just been coming ever since. My dad got baptized last year and I thought that was a really great example for me. So I said, I wanna tell people that I know that I am a follower of Christ and I want to do it. So he said, okay, we can get you signed up and you can go ahead and get baptized. I had my dad, Mike Pike, uh, help baptize me and I wanted him to do it because he's helped me follow Christ, get to know him better. I walked out of that pool a happy new person. I'm Lily, I'm eight years old. The reason that I wanted to get baptized is because I wanted to show other people that I believe in God. Hi, I'm Nandy, I'm 10 years old. I want to be baptized because um, I want God to heal my sins. 24 oceans. Hi, my name is Nick, and I've been going to K2 for several years now, and I serve on the arts team, and I do um, sound on Sunday mornings. My favorite part of, of being at K2 is just um, the community and the experience I get. Um, I have opportunities here which I don't get in a lot of other places. Well, a lot of people that I've met um, get the impression that I'm not a normal person, and that's correct. I'm not a normal person. I am autistic. I have this condition called Asperger's Syndrome, and I've had that all my life. And because of this condition, I'm really accustomed to being treated by other people like I'm invisible 
A lot of people say that um, they're all accepting and tolerant of other people until they actually have to be with someone who's different from them and then all that acceptance and tolerance goes out the door. I've received more death threats in my life than I've been kissed, but I'm not telling you that because I want your pity. I don't want your pity. I, I used to be really depressed about how I was hated so harshly by so many people in the past, but then I was invited to this church and Dave and Christian and Ladd and everyone else who has been on the stage, they really told it like it is. Um, they made me feel better because they said that everybody is broken and messed up and we all have our stuff and nobody's perfect. And it's through them and through reading the Bible that I discovered that there is a God out there and that God loves us even though we make mistakes and we're not perfect. He loves us for who we are and he didn't make mistakes when he made any of us. And now I just want to share God's love with everybody else that I've been happy. I used to be depressed all the time because of my condition in life and since then I've realized that I'm not alone in this world and that I am loved by a higher power and for that I really am happy. I want to thank all the people at K2 The Church for accepting me as a disciple of Jesus because it's so rare that I get that kind of acceptance and I really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hello, my name is Matthew. I'm eight years old and I love to do sports, soccer, football, and pretty much any sport. I wanted to get baptized because Jesus died for us on the cross and he rose again. And I really think that that was amazing. I wanted to be a follower of Jesus and a son of God. Hi, I'm Natalie Rutledge. I'm 10 years old and I'm in fifth grade at Longview Elementary. God was just something out there in the open that I could choose to accept into my heart or I could choose not to. And whenever I got offered to ask God into my heart, I did it just because everyone else was doing it. But as I got older, my relationship with God got closer and closer. And I realized that the only thing tying me down was me and that I needed to accept God into my heart. Thank you, K2, for being an encouragement to me. And thank you, pastors, for really pursuing God. Hey, I'm Brittany Lee. I've been coming to K2 for about two years now, and I serve on the arts team with the band. I was invited, um, the guy I was dating at the time, he was invited to come see the band play at K2. The music brought me in that day, but something else kept me here. I kept coming back every week just, just waiting for the day that they would tell me something to make me want to walk back out the door. So after coming to K2 for about a year, I was sitting in the congregation and something changed. I felt something different. Um, because for so long I felt that whoever whoever Jesus was or whoever 
whoever I was praying to or believing in, I just felt like I was alone. And sitting in the congregation that day, I received the answer that I've been pretty much asking for. Why did God turn his back on me? Like, why did he leave? I heard that day I never left. Um, I've been here the whole time, and, and now I'm glad you're back. When I found grace, and then I found it for myself, I realized that I had been missing the mark, but missing the mark on them, on the miracle. That he would, that he would die for me. It's fun to see life, isn't it? It is so good to see. It's great to see on the ends of the branches outside. And it's great to see in the lives of those around us. Um, that's what that says. If, if you're not 
If you haven't been here much or if you're not used to church, that whole baptize, that whole idea of getting baptized is saying, there's life here. There was death here before, but, but God lives in me. That Jesus is alive in me, and I want to be identified with him. You know, the people that were in Jerusalem when, when this all happened, when, when Christ was crucified, uh, within, within weeks of when he rose from the dead and appeared to hundreds of people and the followers of his disciples, and, and then he went from Bethany, he went back to be with the Lord. He literally ascended from them into heaven. And he said, wait here in Jerusalem, and I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. Within weeks, um, that had bubbled over so much that, that literally thousands of people were out into the streets deciding what to do with this. There were press statements released from, from the church, from the, from the Jewish synagogue. There were press statements released from the government to try to dismiss it. And, and the people wanted to know, man, is he alive? And what does this mean for me? And, and in Acts 2, he, here's how they responded. And here's what the disciples told the people. Because the people wanted to know, what do I do with this? If Jesus is alive, what do I do with it? If Jesus is alive, what do I do with it? And so in Acts 2, um, here's what they said. This starts a little bit before this in verse 22. It says, Jesus of Nazareth, this is what the disciples said, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by his miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, you put him to death by nailing him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him because he was alive. And then in verse 32, it says, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of that fact. And so this group of people, these hundreds, these thousands said, what do we do? We've all witnessed it. We believe it. We believe he's alive. So what do we do? And so for you today, you might be at that place of saying, I'm closer to believing it than I've ever been before. What do I do? If Jesus is alive, what do I do? Because that's what these people said. They were there. They were part of the mob. They, were, they saw it with their own hands and eyes. They, they were friends with people who said, I saw him. I saw him eat. They said, what do we do? If he's alive, what do we do? So in Acts 2, it continues on. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied this. He says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And the answer is simple. The answer to you and to me, if we believe that Jesus is alive, that he rose from the dead and lives again. And we say, what do we do? The answer is simple, is believe. Believe that he lives and he paid for our sins. And literally, give your life to him, become identified with him. That's what it means. Repent, turn your life around, and become identified with him and baptized. And at K2, here's what we want to let you know. Jesus is alive. 
And we want to help you pursue him. We want to help you come to believe in him. And we want to help you say, God, I want to identify with you. I want to live my life after you. The band is going to come on up and we're going to worship. And, and really, if you hear one thing today, we want you to hear us say that we are here for you. We want to be here for you to help you know more about Jesus and how to give your life to him and to walk into the adventure of life following him. To literally say, God, I want to be identified with you. Forgive me. I believe in you. I want to trust in you with my life. And that's what Easter is all about. And it's the most outrageous claim in all of history that you and I can be forgiven. That you and I can have the God of the universe love us, die for us, rise from the dead to forgive our sins and come to life in me today right here in Salt Lake City and change my life today and change my eternity. And that's what Jesus' life and death and resurrection was all about. So as we worship, even as we get started, um, I want to close in prayer. And, and if, you, if you are interested in that, here's what I would really encourage you to do. I, I'm going to pray, and you can pray along with me, but I would encourage you to, to talk with the person that brought you. Say, how do I know more about Jesus? How do I know more about believing in him? How do I, how do I kind of take steps to, to follow him with my life? And if you want, after we're done worshiping or even while worshiping, come up and talk to me or talk to the person that brought you here. We'd love to pray with you. And we'd love to, to make this a day where you say, Jesus, I want to believe. I want your life in me. Let's pray. Lord God, as, as we celebrate that you're alive today, we thank you. We thank you that you're not a dead God, that you're not a weak God, that you're not a God that just has a moral agenda for us and we kind of live our lives and try to be good that you're alive and you forgive god thank you for the life that you have brought here to so many and for the person here who says god i want to believe i pray that you give them the courage to do just that to say jesus i believe that you are god's son that you died for me that you love me that you forgive my sins God, would you change my life? Would you bring your life into mine? Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. And God, as we worship, we praise you as the God who conquered sin and death. And we love you. 